So actually, interestingly, I want to talk a little bit about sin here and offense. And so sin is kind of missing the mark, kind of like what I just did here. I misread the bulletin, got up here a little too soon, called you guys up too soon. Problem is we make mistakes like that, and sometimes it's just a mistake, right? So missing the hymn didn't really hurt anybody, but sometimes in these mistakes, we offend other people. You know, Jeff prepared our our music for us this morning, and you know, it's important to him to get to play that too, and he was ready to go, and I kind of cut him off, right? Okay. Um, So... Here's the thing. Did you notice, probably you're old enough by now to have noticed this, if you spend enough time with anybody else, sooner or later, you're going to disagree with that person, right? You, you know that one, right? Okay. Um, you know, disagreement happens, but how do we move on from disagreement? I mean, in other words, is there anything that somebody could do that would be so bad that you can't move on from it? See, we're tempted to say yes pretty readily to that question, but Jesus tells us the answer to that is no, that we need to find a way to forgive and actually forgive a lot. You know, and this is hard when you feel like you've been misunderstood or somebody makes a joke. You know, I have long legs. I used to run on the track team and when I was in seventh grade, one of my friends said, I saw you running out there. You looked like the roadrunner from Bugs Bunny. And that kind of stuck, and I got teased about it. and you know. But eventually, you know, it became a nickname and kind of a fun thing. But at first, it wasn't very nice, you know, right? But I don't think my friend was really trying to hurt me when he did that. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes... You know, what one of us finds funny, the other one finds hurtful. So we feel misunderstood. Or, you know, in other times, uh, maybe it's kind of more like this. You know, somebody really does victimize us, you know. And that hurts the worst when it's from a friend. Like if you've had a friend, because then it's kind of like betrayal too. You know, your friend didn't only just take something from you. He betrayed your trust, right? Or she did, right? One or the other. How do we forgive that? You know, that's, that's pretty hard to do sometimes. And guys, I hate to tell you, but it's going to just get harder and harder. The problem with middle school, you see, goes kind of like this. In middle school, you know, friends start having best friends. You know, and maybe you already have best friends, Is there anything really wrong with having a best friend? Not really, but in the process of having best friends, aren't some of your other friends kind of lesser friends? How does that make them feel? How would you feel if the people that you think are your friends paired off and they were best friends, but you weren't a best friend, right? So this is the sort of thing that begins to come in and make life a little bit harder and more challenging. You know, and we tend to, I need to get up here, so don't trip me up. We tend to get hung up on these things and angry with people. Remember this rock from last week? It's nice and smooth or rough, right? But when we don't forgive, it's kind of like carrying this thing around with us wherever we go. I mean, 
The rock isn't very useful, is it? You know, do you really want to carry that kind of in your backpack on the way to school? That's kind of what anger and unforgiveness is like. It's sort of like a useless weight that burdens us, right? And actually, that's kind of where I want to begin with the big people today. So, is our time together good? Is that helpful? <laughs> Maybe. So, what about you luxuriating on my step here? <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go back to... So, actually, I want to begin, you know, and, and I should start here, too. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. And I want to start with this rock for the big people, too. You know, carrying around offense is like carrying an extra weight. You know, it's not particularly helpful. If I got to fix the roof, the last thing I want to do is carry this thing along up there with me. But how many times do we do just about that? I mean, this is not only useless to the roof project, it's an impediment to getting it done. Good things seldom require anger, unforgiveness, offense. They can better be accomplished if we can let go of our pet rock there, right? So the sermon that I have today is challenging. It's actually challenging to me personally. This is one of these areas that brought me into the church because I studied religion and how religions dealt variously with offense. And I found that some of them tell you, some of them, the message goes kind of like this. You wouldn't be offended if you could just empty it out of your heart and not desire it anyway. But that's hard hard to do. And I don't think that's what we're called to even do. Or others where, you know, offense serves a righteous purpose. Well, I knew with me that, you know, offense, if it did anything, it was going to get me into trouble, probably. And I didn't think that sounded like a righteous purpose. Purpose. Sorry. Um, So, Jesus' message on forgiveness is hard, but it's one that resounded with me as probably the best alternative. Now, you know, also, my family and I, we have fostered children over the years. And these kids that come to us have had rough things happen in their background. And if anybody has a right to be angry and offended, you'd certainly think it would be the abused child, right? But here's the thing. If if they can't move on from that, if they can't forgive that even, they miss out on all the good that follows later. It's kind of like the the person in the relationship that's been scorned by the partner, you know, and, oh, you know, That's it. I'm never going to fall in love with another man ever again. They're nothing but dirty, rotten. And, and, you know, we've heard these stories, right? But if you wall off that entire possibility in your life, you know, does something good ever come out of that in your direction? And the answer is likely not. You know, 
So Jesus tells us in, in, in our reading here that, uh, you know, we're to forgive 70 times, 70 times. Now, I know there are some people out there that are probably thinking, you're getting close. 491 is coming, and then wait, you know, I'm going to... But, but that isn't at all what Jesus has in mind. He's not talking about a score tally here. You see, seven is the perfect number. It's a number of completion. A complete week is seven days. And, you know, 70 is 10 times, tenfold completion. So our, our forgiveness is to be complete and total. That's, that's what... Peter, I'm sorry, Peter and Jesus' disciples, that's what they would have understood from that saying. Like God, our forgiveness is to be complete. But let's also recap here a couple things from the parable of the king and the unmerciful servant, it's called. Who is this king? Well, the king is God himself, of course, in the parable. But who are the servants? The servants serve the king. We are the servants here. The servants aren't non-believers or somebody else out there, although I think that we should apply this pretty much universally to God's people uh, and also those outside of our own faith, by the way. In the parable, sin is likened to to debt. And, And don't we still use some of this language You know, in other words, when somebody offends us, don't we say, I'm going to make him pay, you know? Or contrary to that, if our debt has been released from us, don't we still call that debt forgiveness or forgiveness, right? Sure. So these things are used actually in the parable kind of interchangeably by Jesus. Just like an offense, when debt is canceled, it's forgiven. But so... Here's where I think we get kind of hung up. In the beginning, the servant is before the king. And the king says, I'm trying to settle up accounts here. You owe 10,000 talents. And the servant begs and pleads. And the king has compassion and mercy on the servant and forgives the debt. You know, and I want to talk about that debt for a second. What is a talent exactly here? It's not certainly a modern measurement. It's actually a weight. It's 75 pounds. And to be specific, the servant owes 10,000 times 75 pounds of gold. In, our, in terms of our money, we're talking about a debt of about $19 billion in today's, by today's standards an unpayable debt. And now I know if you're like me, what you're probably thinking is that, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't really think my debt is 19, you know, billion dollars. I mean, I'm a pretty good guy. I come to church, I believe, you know, um, and we tend to minimize our debt out of that. But I think in order to understand the gospel correctly, we've got to quit doing that and understand just how desperate our situation really is. I mean, why or how did we dig a hole so deep? Well, we dug a hole so deep because every time we intentionally sin, 
we are placing another God before God. And that is the issue here. God and the Bible refers to this in very nasty terminology as spiritual harlotry. You know, that's what we're guilty of, people. That's the one. You know, so imagine approaching your spouse and telling them that, you know, I've been, you know, going out there and, well, for lack of a better way of putting it, whoring around. That's essentially the ground that we stand on before God. That's pretty stark. That's really stark. And yet, God in his mercy has provided a way to cancel that debt out. A debt that was unpayable. Our unpayable debt was nailed to a cross and we bear it no more. The work of the cross tore up our indenture, that is our certificate of debt. We're no longer bound to be sold into slavery, the penalty for unpayable debt in the ancient world. So the parable goes on. You know, on his way out the door, the servant encounters another servant, a fellow servant, who owes him a hundred denarii. Now, that's not a small debt, by the way. A, a, a denarius, one, den, one of the denarii, is a day's labor for a working man in that, in that time. So, I mean, this debt is probably akin to ten or $20,000. It's not a tiny debt. And what does the servant do? He, he grabs the other servant, the, the other man, by the neck and, and demands that he pay up. And when that servant also falls to his knees and says, have mercy on me, I will pay everything, that servant does not have mercy, but rather orders the man held in prison until the debt can be paid in full. And of course, hearing, upon, hearing about that, the king summons the first servant back in. You know, what's really happened here? If we lose sight of the great debt that we've been forgiven, or if we don't believe that it really applies to us in the first place, I've basically been a pretty good guy, you know. I um, you know, don't understand what God would have against me. If we go through life without attitude... When offense comes, we're not very merciful in dealing with it. And we tend to pick up our rock and hold it against other people. And you see, in every saying I've read, Jesus talking about this, we are to release others unconditionally from that offense. And that is hard and I admit that it's very difficult sometimes. If not, like that unmerciful servant, our debt is reinstated at the same time. Jesus makes it clear that forgiveness is expected. We even prayed just earlier this morning, Father God, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. In closing, 
I'd like us to think on something. See, we're good at identifying sin. We're good at identifying when people break the Ten Commandments and things like that. And we often see it in other people. But we don't talk about unforgiveness as a sin. And maybe that's the one that we really ought to consider here. Thank you.